0: Greetings, both history fans and film fans. If you haven't already, follow us on Instagram at History and Film. It's a good way to know when new episodes drop or just see other interesting history or film tidbits. And if you have any other questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to email me at Simmons at TrackNerds.com. Enjoy the show. So, yeah, in my mind, it made sense to split up season six into russia and not russia but then you start kind of doing a lot of the research and realize oh there's actually a lot more going on in the not russia stuff than you think yeah. just with all the yeah the exploration we get to iceland and greenland and north america plus what's going on right. with bjorn and mm-hmm. everything else well
1: and all of the uh alfred the great stuff
0: right we get a little more, which is why i tried to actually try to like talk more about alfred when we we're in season five just because i knew yeah. we didn't we necessarily have a lot of time to get more alfred the great Uh, in this time so yeah we are finishing up talking about the tv series vikings we are very close to starting our american history quote 100 we'll be talking about american history in chronological order one movie at a time starting here in november we're getting really really close here as we look at vikings and we'll get to season six where they actually end up in north america Yeah, first let's peel the band-aid real quick off of Eric the Red and how the show handled him arguably very poorly.
1: Yeah, like you mentioned, at time of recording, it has been recently announced that the series Vikings Valhalla is going to be coming out in 2022, which this is airing in 2022, but we're recording this in uh, late 2021. But uh, because the main character or the seeming main character in that show will be Leif Erickson, it's almost certain that they're going to have to roll back some of the stuff that... Which I guess it's not really a rollback if you never called the guy Eric the Red in the first place. Yes. But like uh, we've been talking over text message and you had noticed that within the last couple of months... The character Eric in the show on the Wikipedia page for Vikings used to link to Eric the Red and it doesn't anymore. Yes. Um, And I think this is why there are a lot of kind of connections between this guy and Eric the Red. We're not just saying this because the guy's name is Eric. Number one, they've like specifically and purposefully give him Red red hair and a red beard. And that actor does not have red hair or a red beard. So that was kind of a big clue right away that oh this guy might be eric the red and it's also at the time that they're starting to explore iceland and greenland and that's kind of what eric the red is known for even even though in the show he never goes to iceland or greenland he never actually leaves norway which is was uh, which i guess then you could say okay so this is this is not eric the red and also timeline is just not even close
0: yeah he's too young yeah yeah the real Eric the Red was like nine fifty to ten oh three. Right.
1: So i I almost don't want to do like a super duper deep dive on Eric the Red now because
0: oh, if, true, he's going to be coming up later. Right. If right. He
1: shows up later on that it might actually make more sense to talk about him then. But one of the things that I did think was interesting that is actually a clue. Another clue that the guy in the show is supposed to be Eric the Red, other than his name's Eric and he has red hair. We see multiple times in the show that Harold calls him a Skogamore, which is like the guys that they exile out into the wilderness. And Eric the Red was actually exiled for three years. It it wasn't like, it wasn't for the rest of his life type thing. He wasn't branded or whatever, like we see in the show where they, you know, brand you on your face with that Mm. certain rune or whatever that shows that you're a Skogamore. But there was actually a situation, it didn't happen in Norway, it happened in, I think it was Iceland, but basically he had some slaves who started a landslide by accident that like ruined another guy's farm, and so then that guy's, the farmer's friends killed his slaves so that he went and killed the guys that killed his slaves, which in their culture, it was like totally cool to kill the slaves, but it's not cool to kill actual Vikings. And so he was he was sent into exile for three years. So I, that was another thing where it's like okay, like this guy might not be Eric the Red, but like you're very heavily implying that he is right. Well, even
0: the slave thing is kind of a big part of the character in the show. was, like smuggling slaves or dealing in slaves, right? Yeah, and yeah, his his uh the actual Eric the Red's father also was uh, banished for manslaughter by a son of Harold Fairhair, which I thought was kind of interesting yes. too.
1: Yeah, basically everything in the show that they show about him is well not everything but there's a lot of stuff that they show that's like ah, like i'm pretty sure they're trying to say that this guy's eric the red but then they kill him off with him never leaving norway he never explores iceland or greenland and also never has the sun leave ericsson
0: which are like those are the big
1: things that he's known for so i guess that they kind of got away with it right if if
0: you're gonna retcon it was actually a pretty easy retcon to do it almost looks like did we meet the character in season five, or did he not show up at all until season six? And he I,
1: didn't show up until season six.
0: Okay, because it almost feels like they had set out for him to be Eric the Red, and then halfway through the season, we're like, "Oh shoot, actually, we'll keep the character in because we've set him up, but let's not have him be Eric the Red."
1: Th- and that might be true. That's what it feels like, because it you know there, it might have been like a a situation where they were going to have him be Eric the Red, but then the pre production or whatever. Stuff started happening on this new uh, Netflix series, and they're like, oh, man, well, we can't have this guy be Eric the Red now because he's going to screw the timeline up, so we'll just call him Eric and have him have red hair and have a couple, like, characteristics of Eric the Red. And
0: we'll kill him off, so it's obviously not him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Which makes sense, too, because remember, seasons four through six were all these double seasons that were kind of split. Yeah. So I was wonder if we looked and kind of looked when you switched from through episode 10 and then 11 through 20... And we'll see if you can feel that shift in the second half of the episodes. I, I think it's probably there. It seems like he's like building up, building up. Like they're gonna, they're
1: trying to make him a really significant character, and then all of a sudden he's just like turned blind and killed by a
0: slave. Yeah, that's true. Right. Anyway, yes, yeah, so that's uh, well, the the character who could have been Eric the Red. <laughs> so uh, in season six here, we also get the death of Bjorn Ironside, which. Again, as much as I say, I don't really care as much for Seasons 5 and Season 6. They handle Bjorn's death as well as anything in the whole show. And his last, quote, ride is badass.
1: <laughs> That's one of the coolest moments of the whole show.
0: Yes, yes. That was so cool. It was, absolutely is. <laughs> yeah, he he's injured in battle. We think he's going to die, or we know he's going to die. But then they get ready for the one more battle, and they get Bjorn on his horse. And he basically calls the battle charge. They're like shooting arrows into him, like, you know, Boromir in Lord of the Rings. And he just stands there, pulls his sword out. And again, like we talked about with, you know, how the ability to use mystique and, and superstition, like with Oleg we talked about last time. In a culture, in a world where people believed in a lot of these superstitious things, you could start to believe, oh, Bjorn Ironside is a god. And what are we doing fighting him?
1: They even have, like, the the Viking defector comes into Oleg's camp and says, oh, Bjorn Ironside is dead. Yeah. Like, they think that he died. Right. And then the next... And Im- imagine if you're, like, one of Oleg's, like, foot soldiers or whatever. And you're like, oh, yeah, like, Bjorn Ironside's dead. Like, we're going to totally stop the Vikings tomorrow. And then you show up and it's like... Oh, that guy that you heard died. Yeah, he actually rose from the dead, and then your homie rides up and shoots three arrows into him, and he just sit and just takes it, and then pulls out a sword. It's like, oh, but what can we do? Right, and they
0: scatter in the show, right? Don't they? Don't half the Russians scatter then? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It,
1: they just turn around and run away <laughs> because it's like,
0: how? What are we even supposed to do when we're up against seemingly a literal god? And what I like about it too is because we don't know anything about the death of the actual Bjorn Ironside. Why not? Let's have this be it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, quick side note on two major female characters, and unfortunately, probably just because women weren't written about as much back then, but Gunnhild, who Bjorn marries, and she kind of suicides after it is into the water in kind of a poetic way after Bjorn dies, and then Torvi, who kind of has married to multiple men throughout the show and ends up with Ube. They both are just invented for the show. So they're good characters, but there's no historical basis for them from anything I could find.
1: Well, and the uh, the witch too. She's oh, is she? She's also invented right. for the whole cloth for the show.
0: And I yes, yeah, so, and so at one point I thought this was worth mentioning though too. So she calls for the assassination of the Danish king because how dare he convert to Christianity. But, so I was looking into this. I wanted to look, figure out, like, okay, when did Denmark switch to Christianity? It basically just doesn't, it's another thing that doesn't time out right with the show. So, uh, the, the first Christian Danish, Danish king was uh, Harold Haftensen, uh also called Harold Clack. Basically, he was king, and then when he was in exile, he teams up with Louis the Pious, the Holy Roman Emperor, son of Charlemagne, and father of Charles the Bald, who we kind of saw, saw kind of a proxy for earlier in the series. And then so Louis the Pious convinces Harold to uh, convert to Christianity and he goes back and claims the Danish throne, you know, hey, look what I, you know, kind of is like, that's what helped me do it. But he's later exiled uh, again for good and Christianity never really took at that time in uh, Denmark. And then the other possible, so that's one possibility that who she could be talking about. And then the other one that's more significant is when uh, Harold Bluetooth was uh baptized and he's kind of considered really the first christian king of denmark or at least who actually brings christianity permanently to denmark he was baptized in 965 though again more of a political thing than a true conversion basically he convinced himself that because you know denmark is right on the top of germany there so Harold Bluetooth's logic was well if i'm also christian the germans can't germans can't justify raids into denmark just because I'm a heathen and a pagan, they now have to have a better reason. And so it was almost like a defensive move. Well, I'm right. Hey, we're Christian too up here. Nothing to see here. And something that's interesting about that, going back to
1: the new show that's going to be coming out, mm. Harold Bluetooth's grandson and great-grandson, Olaf II and King Canute are both characters in this new Viking show. Uh, okay, And Canute actually marries emma of norway Ah, who's the great granddaughter of rollo who is she's also going to be a character in this new show
0: oh emma okay uh man people who don't know emma of normandy is awesome like yes she's she's the one who was married to two different kings of england had a son by each of them who each was also a king of england so Mm -hmm. this woman had two husbands and two sons that were kings of england and yeah that's oh that got me that gets, that gets me excited. Uh, back to the, uh, season six here. the uh, yeah sorry the, sorry yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm excited to talk about all that. but uh, neither of those Danish kings actually match the timeline of the show. That first one I mentioned would have been too early for the midnight century and then Herald Bluetooth is too late for the midnight century. again, just kind of going with our working theory that the show if you're if you're doing a scatter plot and finding the best fit line, 840s to 860s yeah. is probably the best fit for the show Vikings. Obviously, though, they're kind of pulling stuff from either side of that. So this this we can kind of divide into two halves here. Anything else on, like, the Kattegat, Norway side before we get into the adventurers going out west? Um, the rest of my notes were on all the Ube and the adventurers.
1: We we already talked about um, Harald Fairhair being the first king of Norway, but we do see him in the show elected as the oh, first true. king we, of all Norway.
0: Yeah, we actually get that moment. Which, yeah.
1: that... That scene is, uh, I mean, that's, it was complete, that is completely made up for the show that that election with those people. But I just thought that that was kind of interesting that we do actually see in the show, we see Harold Fairhair become the king of all
0: Norway. Right, right. And I think there's even, uh, and I don't remember this character in the show, maybe you do, but there was uh and, and I think he was maybe one of the kings at the vote, uh, Torkel the Tall. Honestly, his name was just listed on the Wikipedia page, and he does link to an actual guy, but I think that was just another instance of them borrowing a real name, and sure, this guy yeah. who cast a vote and is in this one or two episodes, they did use the name of an actual guy.
1: Well, I, it's, I'm having trouble remembering, because in that episode, or in that couple of episodes, like... They introduce a lot of minor characters that all are just like, oh, we just called together all of the dukes and earls and kings of everywhere else to come to vote to see who's going to be the king of all Norway so that we have like one overlord of everybody to kind of consolidate power, you know, to reduce infighting, I guess. And so it's possible that one of those was Torkel at all. I just don't remember because they- it's, like, Bjorn and Harold are, like, the two main ones that you're, like, okay, this is basically election between them. But then there's, like, six other dudes. Right, right. Or something like that. Like, they're, it, you know, there's, they're all out on that little circular-shaped dock thing when they're doing their voting. And I don't remember all their names. Right. Because they were around for, like, two episodes, and then that's the last we see of them.
0: And then, they, yeah, they get in the whole thing where Harold is just greasing hands behind the scenes right is what it comes down to making promises to get the votes which i mean that's yeah he's basically yeah.
1: doing like the stereotypical like dishonest politician thing where he's making all these promises that he can't keep and then he gets elected and like immediately turns into this like dictator <laughs> right right but that i mean historically speak, i know we talked about how Harold was not, or is maybe not even a real life historical figure, but one of the things that is cited as an example for why so many people went from Scandinavia or left Scandinavia to go to Iceland is because of Harold Fairhair and all of the like dictatorish stuff that he was doing. Right.
0: Basically, he sucks. So they're all like, let's get the hell out of here. Yeah. 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 Which, yeah, let's, uh, let's shift to then talking about those who were. Not to flee Harold Fairhair, who wasn't yet king when they all kind of start exploring, just kind of for a general desire for uh, exploring and looking for for a better life. And again, this is just kind of the order I wrote my notes down in. It's not necessarily chronological with the show, but uh, Othere, the guy who tells them these stories of this magical land out west that he's been to, yeah, he is kind of based on a real person, okay, but not one who's not one who's near as interesting as the guy in the show.
1: Because the guy of the show is super cool,
0: right? Right. He's kind of <laughs> really he's, like he's kind of been all over the world, but then also says Oathier is not his real name, and he's actually like a Christian priest named Athelstan who took the identity of an there, which I guess could then tie into the historical there could be the guy he's pretending to be, and not the actual character in the show. Does that make sense? Yeah, but then he also
1: like he like flip flops on his story so many well, times. That's true, because yeah. there's other times where he's like, "Oh, actually, I am Oter. Oh, oh I, okay. I, actually, I'm not a I'm not a monk. I'm actually uh, I used to be a Viking. And then I, you know, it's like, oh, okay. And Ube's like he gets so frustrated.
0: Right, with it. He's right.
1: Like, just tell me the truth. And it's like at this point, it's like what's even the point? Even if he tells you the truth, you're not going to believe it. Right. It's just going to be something different from all the other stuff that he's told you. But I, I really like that guy.
0: Interesting character because you ultimately we're not sure what we're even meant to believe as the viewer, but you yeah. kind of ultimately still trust the guy. Just the vibe he gives off is he's doing right. what's in the best interest of everyone, even if he's not being truthful about it. And I don't know why you trust him. And it's
1: like any of those thing, any of those scenarios could be true because like he says all these Christian prayers and he speaks old English and like he knows about you know the Catholic faith. But he also knows all of this lore and stories about Norse stuff, and so it's like, well, maybe he was just a you know a traveler and picked up all this stuff. But then he talks about like how he was a like a bodyguard or a mercenary or something. Hmm. And then we see when they get to Greenland and they're all fighting over that whale, and he's just like killing dudes left and right. <laughs> like he obviously knows how, <laughs> knows to, knows handle, how to fight. So like, right? Who is this guy? that just knows all this stuff, can speak all these languages, and also is a really good fighter.
0: You know what he is? He's the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> Damn it, we picked the
1: wrong yeah, person. Yeah. Cleopatra, move out of the way. Well,
0: but the, uh, <laughs> the historical oath there is far less interesting. So basically, we don't know much about the actual oath there. He just shows up in the records as an explorer from Scandinavia, from Norway, who told of his travels to Alfred the Great. So in a lot of the English records, this guy Othair shows up as just, here's everything he did, and he told Alfred all about it. Isn't he cool? But <laughs> he wasn't this world explorer. He was from Norway and he had been all over Denmark and other parts of Norway. <laughs> he was so yeah, seriously. So the guy went as he went as far south as like Hedeby in Denmark, and he did go up north around to the White Sea, which is like mm on the north of like finland if i remember right you might look up the, north, the white sea real quick but that was it so uh and so he was so he was he was from the north he did kind of say like i'm from so far north of norway that no one lives north of me uh and so then you think about the sami people that we talked about he was not a sami but he lived like kind of next to them and did interact with them if anything northern norway you could argue was kind of just west of sami territory and they kind of had the north of kind of eastern Norway and then everything kind of beyond that. But yeah, so anyway, so we have records of this guy named Othere, but he just kind of traveled around that area and told King Alfred about it.
1: So the White Sea is basically if you look at like the Scandinavian peninsula. Yeah. And you have, you know, going from west to east, Norway, Sweden, Finland, and then that like kind of jut out part of Russia that goes up on the east side of Finland. There's a little cutout there in that part of Russia, and that is the White Sea.
0: Okay, yeah. So if the Scandinavian Peninsula is Mary Queen of Scots, you're going to cut her head off at the White Sea.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> okay. So uh, so that was oath there. Uh, the other one I thought was interesting. So when they're traveling, so this is like a little bit out of order. So when they they escape Greenland. Because Kettle has gone crazy, and we'll, we'll talk about talk, talk about Kettle here again here in a second. But they just kind of load up in the boats really quick, and they're escaping west, hoping for the best, hoping that the there we have in the show, who has stories of, you know, basically the, quote, land of milk and honey, not that they call it that, out west, they're just going to sail west and hope for the best. And they, they they spend several episodes just trapped in the ship. Like, they're really giving you the impression that they are sailing forever. And yeah. there's a storm that takes... Torvi and Ube's daughter overboard and you see this like see we see them see a sea monster kind of like Ivar seeing Freydis in this Russian girl like it looks just like yeah. his wife we see the characters see this monster
1: no it's it's, it's just the daughter I think is the only one that sees oh, it. oh is your
0: daughter the only one that sees it okay yeah so that's based on an actual Norse Figure. Right. So that monster is called like the Jormungander, or however you would say that.
1: Is that the the snake that encircles the whole world?
0: Yeah. So yeah. So it's a. It is a. It yeah. So the storm monster takes. Uh, it's an actual Norse sea monster, and yeah, it it grew so big that it was able to grab its own tail around the world, and the idea is that when it re- when when the Jormungander releases its tail. That will be how Ragnarok begins. And the Jormungandr is actually a son of Loki. So again, for all the Marvel fans who know of its Norse ties, that monster is Loki's son. Loki and a giant had that Jorga monster. And then that monster is also a rival to Thor in Norse mythology. I just thought it was cool that they showed that monster and that, again, it wasn't invented for the show. That's an actual Norse legend. And, Kind of has ties to what we see in all the Marvel stuff.
1: And they I think it actually might be in that episode of the one before you see Torvi telling the story of Thor fishing for that snake to the little girl. Okay. Like right before she goes overboard and dies. Okay. But where he uh, uses an ox's head as bait to catch this giant sea snake. Huh. And that's how he catches it. But anyways.
0: And then... Kettle Flatnose. We mentioned before that he is based on a historical figure, although having him kind of be this bloodthirsty guy who's just going insane—that's just kind of made up from the show. There's no records of that. He was a, he was an early leader. Uh, did move to Iceland. I don't, I don't. I think he settled in Iceland. and never actually went to Greenland, though. From anything I found, he was interesting in the show, <laughs> in that it seemed like. He was
1: saying as long as he stayed in Norway and like any time he was outside of Norway, he was just like this absolute psychotic freak. Yeah. That just was super selfish and doesn't care about anyone, just wants to like kill everyone that isn't his family. And it's like it shows him as like calm and reasonable. Yes. When he's talking with Floki before they leave. Then they get to Iceland and he turns into this bloodthirsty monster that beheads an entire family. Then he goes back to Norway and he's like, "Oh yeah, that's not the real me. Like, I'm actually a nice guy. I, you know, I just let you know the the craziness of Iceland get to me." And then they travel again. And then when they get to Greenland, he does the same thing and turns into this like asshole. Yeah, it's- and it's I don't know. It, it was a it was kind of a it was kind of jarring to see that like weird back and forth with this character, which again maybe. When they made the show, like, the way that I watched it wasn't the way that it was designed to be watched. So when I'm watching all these episodes back-to-back, maybe it seems more like a turning-on-a-dime situation,
0: but... What's funny is I found him way more consistent than Ivar, in the sense that I found his, that almost bipolar thing, as just who he was, in a way that was more realistic than what we saw from Ivar. And there was it really was just okay. him, it was his ambition, and an overdeveloped sense of protecting what was his, both family-wise and property-wise that just kind of yeah yeah, it just it flips a switch yeah he's almost like kind of that like uh abusive guy that goes from zero to 100 yeah that's
1: a good way to put it because he well (laughs) i say overreacts i mean that one of his family members did get killed but then his reaction to that is behead the entire family of the person responsible yeah but then yeah the overprotective thing when they get to greenland and he's like oh no this whale is mine and everyone's like um we should divvy that up like that's a whole whale. <laughs> and he's like, no, this is, right. this is mine. This landed on my property.
0: And at some point, yeah, I didn't, like, I didn't really like the way they handled that. Now, I get that they were almost like, so they were kind of at, at dire straits, and they were all kind of starving, and this whale lands into property. It's like, okay, this is all, they all, you know, he says I'm blessed by the gods. It landed on my property. We divide up the property arbitrarily, and then it landed on right. my property. That's the gods blessing me. The others you can see buying into that. Well, then you figure out a deal where, okay, yeah, yeah, hey, 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 it's kettles but he's going to sell it to you know you figure out a deal it's like okay it's his but we're gonna figure out a way to we're gonna we're gonna help you build your fences we're gonna work for your yeah fine you're the king we're gonna work for you in exchange for you feeding us like But you can make a
1: trade, they had also been at sea and starving to death for like weeks. No, right, so they probably weren't all thinking straight,
0: right? They weren't in negotiation (laughs) mode, right? That's true, yeah. Um, so yes, the the actual Kittle was a Viking in the ninth century who did move to Iceland, but that's about the extent of what the show got right. Um, now, although most records that we have of him were, were written well after his death, but he was mentioned in multiple sagas from this part of the world in broad strokes. Uh, Norway was getting raided from all the little islands to the west of Norway like the tiny ones like Shetland and other islands off like that off the coast of Scotland and and so Kettle goes to deal with them on behalf of Harold Fairhair so King Harold Fairhair says hey Kettle go stop those you know islanders from raiding Norway and Kettle just kind of stays out that way and never comes back to Norway and ends up settling in Iceland. And the one we didn't mention uh, when we talked about, I think it was season five, Kittle's daughter, Odd, is the one who Floki watches jump off of the cliff and kill herself. Yeah. So Odd was an actual daughter of Kettle. That's all kind of, you know, documented in the sagas there. But she didn't kill herself. She actually married the king of Dublin. So, oh, okay. so Aud has her own Wikipedia page. She has a nickname or she has a epithet as well that I kind of forget off the top of my head. But uh, yeah, so she was historical and married a king of Dublin. So they do finally arrive. I mean, I'm talking about it in broad strokes here. So uh, we do, right. we do finally arrive in North America and they meet Native Americans. And the tribe that is listed on Wikipedia is the uh, Micmac is, I don't know how to say that exactly but i
1: don't i'm the pronunciations are are gonna yeah be okay just as lost on me as they are on okay two. fair fair
0: <laughs> yeah, and yeah that's just kind of accurate in the sense that if they are in you know newfoundland this is that's who they would have encountered and just like with native american tribes in the united states in canada there they still have a lot of these ties so they're actually uh, about 170,000 Mi'kmaq micmac alive today they are just the native americans from this area of canada And there's actually evidence of people in this part of Canada, Newfoundland, whatever, going back 4,000 years, which my first thought was like, well, that doesn't seem even that long ago. But if you also think about it took so long for people to spread from, you know, the whole land bridge from Asia over into Alaska and then Native Americans spreading all throughout both continents, it could have taken, you know, a long time for people to really settle in the Newfoundland area, and then also leave signs of said settlement. So just because there's evidence going back 4,000 years doesn't mean there wasn't people there well before that who didn't leave a lot of evidence, I guess. Although I guess when you get skeletal remains, you can't really hide those. (laughs) And we do get the return of Floki in the penultimate episode, and then him and Ube just kind of have some philosophical discussions in the last episode there. And my last big kind of paragraph of notes here is just kind of talking about ube who we haven't we've talked about all the sons of ragnar in a little more detail and i kind of saved ube for the end because by season six i mean i would go back and forth with him and ivar obviously but ube's kind of become the main character yeah Bjorn dies off uh ivar's kind of in his denouement after being the god king of season five right and ube is kind of who we're kind of rooting for i think in season six and Everything he's going through.
1: I mean, Ivar and Fitzirk are still like, we still follow them a lot, but it's really only in relation to how they connect to Alfred the Great's story. Mm -hmm. Like they're not even, after they leave Kiev, they're not even like the main characters in their own story. Yeah. yeah. It's all about how Alfred is uh, defeating them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Which ties into before we mentioned that Fitzirk is is kind of used as a proxy for the historical Viking Guthrum. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the historical Ube, kind of mentioned before, he was one of the leaders of the great heathen army. And you look at all the historical records, Ube and Ivar are kind of just the quintessential Vikings attacking Christians in England. If you just think about that whole thing as a trope, you know, Vikings attacking England, Ube and Ivar the Boneless kind of just encapsulate that whole time period. And again, we're actually the guys over there doing that. So I was, and maybe it was even unnecessary that I waited this long to get to Ube. I think I was just really excited about how long his Wikipedia page was. Like if you go to the Wikipedia page for Ube, you got to scroll through a lot. And so I was really excited to kind of deep dive into that. But as I started reading through it, it's kind of less about here's everything Ube did. And it's more about here's all the things the Vikings did. And he was there too. (laughs) so it's not necessarily so even though his wikipedia page was long it's just like here's what the vikings were doing at the time and we know ube was one of the leaders so i i I kind of forgot you know when you're talking 1200 years ago the records aren't great and so it was kind of anticlimactic but also maybe that's appropriate because you could argue and i'm not saying this is an insult the show kind of ends anticlimactic that you know this show's been nothing but battles and death and it just kind of ends with Ube and Floki sitting on the beach talking about life. But I I I think that's maybe right. appropriate. But yeah, it also all is kind of frustrating too. We talk about like, "Man, there's just not very good records." But it, when you think about Ube being 900 years younger than say Julius Caesar, it's frustrating that we can know so much about Julius Caesar and Cleopatra and then Ube who comes around almost a millennia after them. And we just don't know much about him. Yeah. It's just all about, and history is literally written records. We've talked about before. Prehistoric just means before people wrote stuff down. That's all it is. (laughs) That's all it is. Prehistoric doesn't mean caveman. Prehistoric means pre-written record. And so it's just kind of this, it depends on what time of the world or what part of the world you're in or what time. So yes, the Romans and the Egyptians had great written records. We know a lot about them. The Vikings and early English history. The the records are just not as good. So yeah, even though Ube is historically recorded, his fame really just comes from being constantly mentioned as a figure in the sagas and tall tales that appear in the centuries kind of after the Viking Age. So how we see, and you especially, see the Old West as this kind of just like romantic time of adventure in the 12th, 13th, 14th centuries that's how they felt about the Vikings and the Viking age. And it was kind of the wild West in a way. And all these, so an Ube and an Ivar, the boneless were the wide erp types of that era. And so these tall tales that kind of spread after their time were where they got famous even more so. So at the time, yeah, people Oh yeah, that Viking guy over there is doing stuff, but it, it continued for centuries. So like, ube and again i had never heard of ube until watching the show vikings but there are plays and novels from the 18th and 19th centuries with ube as a major character so he's Mm -hmm. been in pop culture for centuries as again the quintessential viking raider
1: right well and that's one of the reasons that like studying this stuff is so hard is because so much of what we know about it you have to get from a story that's written in Twelve, whatever, yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, he did this, he did that, and it's like, well, how much of this is how much of this is real,
0: right, and yeah, it's just stories of stories of legends, and yeah, yeah,, mm-hmm.
1: and so you briefly kind of uh talked about the fact that uh floki comes back at the end of this season, yes, and i I just gotta say I saw that coming from a mile away, like oh oh yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: as soon as that cave happened. I then uh, immediately applied the Rich Simmons, no corpse means no death rule. And I said, yeah, if he was actually dead, we would see a Floki corpse buried under rocks or something. But yeah, no, they they didn't show it. And the only thing that we see is Kettle Flatnose saying, oh, yeah, Floki died. Nah, that dude's he's alive. He's
0: somewhere. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. The, mo- the moment he wasn't in the show and I was kind of, of course, also I watched the show so spaced out. I was like, wait. Did Floki die? Like I couldn't remember. Uh, so when they're t- when they're telling stories to Ube, I couldn't remember enough of what about what actually happened to know if they were lying or not. But yeah, my rule for years has been no corpse, no death. So Floki must be alive. <laughs> yeah, it, I thought it was pretty obvious that it was he was going to show up there at the end, whether it was in Iceland, Greenland, or North America. I wasn't sure necessarily, yeah. but I knew Floki was still coming.
1: Yeah, well, and I was kind of confused too because I was like, well. They didn't see him in Iceland. I thought maybe they were going to run into him somewhere in Iceland, but then they didn't. And then they thought, well, maybe they'll see him somewhere else. But then they, when they uh, they encountered the, the Native American tribe, and one of them understands a word that one of the Vikings said. I was like, oh, it's Floki. Floki's going to be there. Like, that's... Oh, it has yeah. To be.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So yeah, So their their big reveal was, like, pretty obvious. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But that was a cool scene though.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. It was obvious but also satisfying, yeah. And it was it was uh it was cool
1: because it was like they're they're walking in and there's all those um tree carvings, and every tree carving is like a scene of some big event from earlier in the show. That was cool. And, yeah. <laughs> and then he's like living in this tree house that's made out of like half a boat, and that I thought that was kind of cool. Right. Though, he has that little elevator system that lowers him down to the ground. Like And he's
0: always been the engineer and woodworker in the show. Yeah. And that actually makes that actor, Skarsgård, is he the only actor who's in all six seasons? Has to be right. Uh, the seer,
1: the seers in all six seasons.
0: Uh, okay. Oh, and I guess. Oh, and does like us to die in season six or season five? Season six. Oh, we didn't even talk about that. Hey, we still can. Um. So yeah, we. But she also her her storyline it kind of faded so much and uh but does all the rays of her village was that season six also yeah that was season six and i guess the reason that it maybe probably slipped
1: both of our minds is because none of it is no right historical at all but it's really cool in the show that they build the kind of like they're like using the kids to build like home alone death traps but instead of it's in a house it's like their village and they build that little like maze maze of horrors that was kind of cool no you're
0: right it, but it's it, we've talked about lagatha before and she's kind of like ragnar we just don't know a lot about her and just and again all that stuff just made up so we yeah you're right. right we didn't really deep dive into any of that um anything else or is that kind of a wrap on the tv show vikings
1: yeah i do i wanted to talk to you i i was looking into the to the new show yeah like i told you before emma of normandy is going to be a character ethelred the unready and king canute are both going to be in it Leif Erikson is the main character. It looks really cool. I'm in this show. I am equally excited to see the England stuff as I am to see the Viking stuff, which actually a lot of that's kind of the same. Like with King Canute and Emma of Norway, you have like he's the king of England and Norway and Denmark.
0: Right, right. Which is right. We've talked about before that there were Viking kings of England. And then, and yeah, so yeah. So I, again, my hope would be. That they change as little as possible. I, w- I would like to yeah. see it more historically accurate than the original show, if possible.
1: It looks like there uh, is going to be a pretty prevalent theme of the Vikings' conversion to Christianity and all of the conflict that follows from that.
0: And that makes sense. That makes sense.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it.
0: Uh, yes, so as far as the podcast in general we were kind of doing all this stuff instead of going on hiatus talking about the crown talking about vikings talking about who's the most interesting person in history was we spent like i'm trying to think a year and a half probably of episodes going over all that stuff but all that is just so we can get ready to do american history in chronological order one movie at a time and so that will start on election day this november so stay tuned and thanks for listening